My name is Mona Lisa. I'm a problem solver, a motivator, and most importantly, a mother. When my daughter was just 18, she was sentenced to 10 years in prison. It nearly destroyed our entire family, but we persevered. And now I'm on a mission to help other families going through this nightmare by bringing them out of the darkness and into the light. This is Prisoner of Hope. Welcome to Prisoner of Hope. I'm Mona Lisa. There's nothing worse than believing in something so much to the point that we lose sight of what's real and what's important. For me, in the past, I've not always had the best view of law enforcement, especially police and probation officers. Fortunately, I am the type of person who would never categorize every individual into one box. And I know that I too can be wrong at times. Can you believe that? I can actually be wrong. Yeah, me neither. Anyway, seriously, there is discipline that a person who works in law enforcement carries ultimately towards prevention. And yet they too are humans and they have families. I want to have a discussion with Dan Iverson, a retired probation officer, about what it's like to work in this field and how did that type of work affect him and his family. Then later on, I'll be talking with Matt Gill, an amazing impact and engagement strategist who works with teens and youth from all walks of life. He'll help us get a better understanding of how to understand our teens and the best practices for preventing them from incarceration. Ultimately, this whole show will feature and focus on prevention from returning citizens going back inside, as well as keeping teens and youth out. But first, let's take a look at Dan's story. Across the country, 4.5 million individuals are on probation or parole nearly twice the incarcerated population. With recidivism at an all-time high in the United States, it is essential that ex-offenders are aware of the resources available to them. Dan Iverson is a retired high-risk probation officer who has worked with both veterans suffering from PTSD and offenders living with mental illness. Matt Gill is a youth and young adult life coach who maintains a heavy focus in prevention, taking lessons learned from his personal journey to help others feel empowered to embrace and share their greatness with the world. Hey, Dan, I want to thank you so much for coming on with me today. I appreciate you. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Good, good. So I wanted to have you on because a lot of people have a misconception around probation officers. Now, I know you're retired, but most people who experience incarceration in their lives and their families and friends and stuff like that, they almost look at you as the bad guy. Um, and I firmly believe that there's two sides to every single story. So I thought about the idea of talking to you because I want to, one, show that you're a human too, okay? And two, I want to talk to you about your challenges that you experience. Um, one of the things you mentioned was, is when you have to go and arrest someone and, and, and put them back inside again, and I'm sure you have your terminology for this, it wasn't very easy for you. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that the outsiders think that this is an easy thing, but for you, it became a challenge because you realized that, you know, uh, it was affecting you personally. Can you tell me a little bit about that? 
absolutely. And, and thank you for calling me human. That's one of the nice things anybody's called me in a while. Um, <laughs> it, it's challenging. Um, you know, you work so hard with these clients um, and you, you invest yourself in their success and trying to get them their lives turned around and straightened out. And, and sometimes it doesn't work. Um, they re uh, they reoffend, they violate uh, probation. And then my job is to go and get them and take them back into custody so they can go back in front of the judge and we can see which direction we're going to go from there. So uh, that would look like a lot of different things. Sometimes I would ask them to come into the office and I would tell them up front, you know, you already know what's going to happen when you get here. So I just recommend you come in and we'll take care of it in the best way possible. Sometimes it was going into their home, maybe late at night, early in the morning with a, with a handful of other people with me so everybody would be safe. Um, and that would be done in front of their family, maybe their children, their parents, um, very emotional time uh, and very challenging. So you feel the, emo- you know, the emotion of it. You, you want them to do well. But sometimes you have to take them back in for their own safety, um, you know. So it affects you, you know, in, in a lot of different ways in your personal life and and your professional life. How did it affect you personally? Um, you know, you have stress. You know, sometimes it, and you know stress can show up in a number of ways. Not sleeping well. Um, anxiety. Uh, my blood pressure went up a little bit, you know, these are, you know, real physical signs. Um, but you learn to, you know, talk with uh, fellow officers. Some family members are receptive to talk. Um, for me, I went to, uh, I'd go ride my mountain bike, go to the gym, stay active, um, try to clear my head. And, you know, I always had another person I was always working on people. So, um, you know, you tried to find that next positive situation you could get yourself into. And how were, how was your family handling it during that time? Um, you know, I'd like to say pretty good. You know, I think there was times when, um, they could see me uh, being stressed and maybe that stress was coming out on, onto them. Maybe I wasn't as patient as I should have been in some situations. Um, but trying to keep open lines of communication and, uh, apologize a lot. If I, you know, if I stepped on some toes, it's hard to, you know, to be a law enforcement officer and kind of laying down the law, your, your job is kind of black and white. And then you go home and you have to turn that off and you have to be, uh, you know, human and, and not that, not laying down the law, not black and white. And, um, so you, know, you weren't big daddy at home then, right? <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't big daddy at home. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, right. Know, I, <laughs> I tried not to be. That's good. That's good. Well, let me ask you a question. And this is an obvious question that a lot of people, you know, who have loved ones incarcerated want to know, you know, did you actually enjoy or do you, did you, cause it's over. Did you enjoy putting people inside? Uh, no, I didn't. I don't really know anybody that did. It's not something that, um, you like doing. There's really nothing fun about the process. Um, sometimes you put yourself at serious risk. Not everybody wants to go. Um, so no, it's not, it wasn't a fun part of the job. It was a necessary part of the job. It's something you have to, uh, 
uh, wrap your head around. You know, we would have mental training uh, classes that would help you come to the grips with it, right? Like, this is what you're signing up to do. Um, and some people couldn't do it and they wouldn't found a different job. Yeah, I get that. So do you feel like um, after all has said has been said and done and you're retired now, do you feel like that life is still trailing with you and still following you in some way, shape or form? Or do you feel like you're completely absolved of all of that now? Uh, no, it's always going to be a piece of who I am. Um, I look back on most of it uh, with good fond memories because the whole goal is to help people um the you know the incarceration piece is just a, a necessary evil because people are in the justice system but um but i look forward to it. i had a lot of success stories along the way um and i take those with me um i i feel the training and the experience i got is really valuable so it'll always be a part of me Awesome. So what would you say to uh, probation officers today that would help to humanize them a little more? Because clearly, you know, you've made it to the uh, to the other side. You've made it past all the stress. Uh, you're, you and your family, you know, are still, you know, moving forward with life. Uh, what would you say to uh, the probation officers that are out there now to, to humanize them? Um. A couple things I would say: find balance in your life because you can get, um, you know, you can get one-sided. You can get very involved in the law enforcement side of it, um, but you have to stay in the treatment side and the helping side um, and find that balance. And then also find that balance in your life. So when you're not at work, you're doing something different. You know, you're playing with your kids and and playing with your dog and doing the things that you enjoy doing. Um, that bring you balance and perspective into what you're doing. And um, if you don't truly care about the people you're working with, then, you know, you might want to find something else to do because that's really the piece of it. That's what humanizes you. And oftentimes, oftentimes I would have, I would be taking people back into custody and they would be apologizing to me because they felt mm. like they let me down. And that's because we had a relationship, you know, and I just said, don't worry about it. We'll try it again. Right. Well, the good thing I can say about you, Dan, um, is that you are one of the good ones. That's for sure. And I would hope that, you know, as you continue to move forward in your life, that maybe you reach back and, and, and try to create some training programs for some of these uh, probation officers, parole officers, correctional officers that are having to deal with these people um, on a day to day basis and and help them to see that, you know, the idea behind all of this is helping. I think you're on point with that. I think you've done a great job with, you know, explaining um, what it is that you did and why you did what you did. And um, it's a necessary evil. As you say, somebody's got to do the job. If somebody didn't commit the crime, you wouldn't have to do the time. But somebody's got to manage that. So for you, may I suggest that as you move forward in this life, that you just look back, take a deep breath and recognize and realize that you made a difference. You made a difference because it seems to me that you cared and that you wanted to do better for people more so than they even wanted to do for themselves. So I thank you for, the, for joining us today. And, and I just want to tell you again, just enjoy your life, my friend. And we'll talk again someday soon. Thank you so much, Mona Lisa. It's great to hear that. It's great advice. And I wish you all the best as well. Hope to talk to you soon. Take care.
We should not have to worry about our loved ones being in fear for their lives. They should be able to go, do their time, and come home. Welcome back. I have now with us Matt Gill, an amazing man, an impact strategist who deals with teens, youth and college students all over this country. He's a man that once he opens his mouth, you will begin to understand why he can talk to kids. Okay, I brought him on because I really want us to get an understanding of why and how and what we can do to keep our children from going into the prison pipeline. He has been doing events all over this world, uh, helping to keep kids out of these scenarios by mixing both troubled youth and non-troubled youth together. And today Matt's going to give us some insight on, you know, why does this even happen? Why do kids get in trouble from the very beginning? A lot of you parents out there, it's time for you to listen. Okay, it's time for you to listen. Maybe not so much to me, but definitely to Matt. Matt, how are you? Thank you, Mona, for having me on. It's, a, it's an honor to be here. It's an honor to be a part of this and especially just to bring awareness to um, to just empowering youth, empowering um, people to prevent, like making change now at a younger age to prevent a lifelong struggles and challenges, you know, in the system. And so I'm just honored to be here with you. Thank you. Thank you. So, Matt, let me ask you, um, what is it that you think is causing these kids to go straight out of their schools right into the pipeline of, priv uh, of priv prison? What is that you think? So a lot of, you know, um, I, I work with a lot of um, crime prevention organizations. I work with a lot of youth agencies. I work with um, different cities, sheriff's department, police departments, um, teen centers. And one of the one of the biggest things that that I share with them when I first step and begin to work with them is that a lot of crime prevention, a lot of organizations are trying to change a behavior, trying to change people from um, creating and getting in trouble. And in order for us or for anybody to change a behavior, you have to change the feeling that lies beneath that behavior. You know, we do things because we have a feeling. We do things out of fear. We do things, um, you know, trouble sometimes is peer pressure. And, and that's led by not feeling good enough. I'm not enough and so I wanna try to fit in. And so we make sacrifices and we do things that we know are not within integrity of ourselves because we're not feeling that we're enough. And I think that when we go back and we look at, at the entire structure of life, um, in school systems, we teach all of the different literacies. We teach math, we teach science, we teach history. But the one thing that we don't teach is emotional literacy. We don't teach mm. people how to their feelings. We don't teach them how do you manage this conversation of I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm too fat, I'm too tall, I'm too skinny, I'm too short. All of these different conversations when we compare ourselves to other people. And, and when you have a, a student who comes home from or comes to school from an environment of chaos, from parents who are trying to make it work, 
from parents that are trying to manage their own conversations and then you put them into an environment and say now new, learn something new like we don't give them the proper tools on how to manage the feelings and the emotions and the thoughts so that they can focus on learning something new and so mm -hmm. from a very young age when we don't teach emotional literacy and we don't teach emotional healthiness we're already setting our children up for failure um, you know, I believe churches and organizations are, are a great way of, of connecting with feelings, but there's not really a, the, a, a focus on emotional literacy, on changing, on building people's confidence. Let me ask you a question, uh, Matt. Are you telling me then, I'll, I love what you're saying and it makes a lot of sense, but could I, th could I have understood what you just said as a lot of what is happening with some of these kids going to prison is because there's something wrong with their parents or is it because their parents are to blame? Because a lot of society today is saying that the reason why the kid went to prison is because there's something wrong in their household. How do you address that? How do you deal with that? Well, part of it is you can't. I, I, I don't want to say that there's a blame because there's there's many different things that actually add into the equation. Um, definitely parents play a role in it. You know, the parents are responsible. That's part of their job as a parent is to raise a child and and to raise them with the uh, with the right morals and the right um, attitude and, and to be successful in life. Like that's that's job. That's the job of a parent is to create a healthy life for their child. Um, but some parents have children and they're not healthy themselves. So they can't give what they don't have. You, know, mm -hmm. you can't teach healthiness if you're not healthy yourself. It's just like the saying, mm -hmm. hurt people. You know, some parents are hurting and so they hurt their children. Hurt may come as in verbal hurt. It, some, it comes in domestic issues, you know, where, which then that's a behavior that they learn and they, they uh, continue that type of behavior as they get older. So part of it is parent, you know, part of it is also the, 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 um, the child, the teen, the youth, you know, saying, huh, this is not working for me anymore. Like I need to break this, this generational um, curse or this generational behavior in changing that around. So part of it is mm -hmm. the parents, but a lot also, you know, we have teachers that are, that are fighting for youth to, to give that emotional literacy, that emotional healthiness for them. That's good. That's good. So like when I was a kid, you know, I'll be honest with you. When I was a kid, um, I definitely had identity issues. You know, I was feeling I wasn't cute enough. I wasn't skinny enough. I wasn't black enough. I wasn't white enough. And so for me, I constantly turned to drug addiction and to drugs um, in order to try to, you know, just squelch that. Um, in today's times, I think that kids are doing the same thing. They're not able to deal with their identity. They don't know who they are. They have no idea who they are. And kids are so mean in school. They're bullying. They're doing all kinds of things that are just absolutely not necessary. But it's causing each of it's causing a lot of the kids to not even know who they are. And so then they turn to drugs. And when they turn to drugs, then it's just it's just one thing after another, after another, after another. And I know that's a whole nother show. We can get into that. But, right. you know, I do want you to know that, you know, I hear you and I see you on all of this. So what would your uh, what would your. What would you say to people who have kids today who are troubled 
and they are so worried that they're on their way to the prison pipeline. What would you say to them in 30 seconds or less? Create a safe space, a safe space of communication, of no judgment, no repercussions and unconditional love. Like create a space, a level of communication to just say, hey, I'm here to support you. I'm here to be here for you. Uh, no judgment and let's work through this together. That's the biggest thing is that uh, youth don't want to talk because they're afraid of being judged. And so if you can create a safe space to have a deeper level of conversation, you'll have a different impact in your family unit. Excellent. So there you have it right out of the mouth of Matt Gill, your impact strategist. And Matt, if they want to reach you, where do they reach you at? You can go to iclaimvictory.com, iclaimvictory.com, or you can find me on social media at uh, Facebook, facebook.com forward slash mattgillglobal.com. Thank you, Matt. Thank you so much. We'll be back. Prisoner of Hope is not just a show. It is a movement to restore empathy and to rebuild the family unit. Catch episodes early on the PrisonerofHopeTV.com website and YouTube channel. Subscribe to our blog. Learn more about Mona Lisa and Access the Vault, a video resource library designed to help you in knowing your rights, tips on post-incarceration life skills, starting your journey to self-discovery, understanding family and parenting relationships, and more. Looking for resources in your neighborhood? Use the vault to type in your zip code and find therapists, reentry programs, food assistance, and more. Prisoner of Hope needs you to get involved. And there are three ways. Learn how you can volunteer, donate, or even become a sponsor of the show. Interested in booking Mona Lisa to speak at your event or on your panel? Learn how under the contact section on the website. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to find out about upcoming Prisoner of Hope tours and other special events. Hope isn't canceled. We are in this together. It's amazing to me how when you think about those who have to be on the other side, I like to call it, on the other side of the razor fence, the police officers, the correctional officers, the probation officers, the uh, parole officers. We always want to look at those guys as the bad guys. And granted, I'll be the first to admit, and I'm actually all over video and the internet saying this in the past. And that is, is that how much I didn't like them, how much I had no respect for them, and how much I was really concerned about them giving the right to have human life in their hands, guarding over it and not being as good of a steward as they should have been. But I have to tell you, after going into jail myself for 60 days, after talking to my daughter and, and, and watching her to go through prison and now out, after meeting and talking to several different uh, probation officers, parole officers, police officers, getting to know them more and understanding their side of the story, that's when I realized I needed to eat my words. And so I'm doing that today. They are human. They are human and they have a life too and they have to be respected and they ha and we have to understand that the reality is that they have to do their job and in doing their job sometimes we're not happy about the way they do their jobs. I'm not saying there's all good guys over there but I'm not saying there's all bad guys over there either. So I want to thank Dan for coming on and showing that there are people out there that actually care. They actually care and it hurts them to have to do what they have to do. But at the same time, that's their job, that's their commitment, and that's what they signed up to do. So, you know, Dan is human, just like some of the rest of them. And then for Matt, you know, there is a form of prevention that must occur 
in our children today. We have to consider the idea that kids are people too, and that they have thoughts too. Kids have their own identity, and we have to recognize that. The bottom line is, is that they need to be talked to. They need to be, they need to be provided a safe space. They need to know that no matter who they're around, that they have that one person that they can actually turn to, talk to, and be transparent. Without doing that, it's just a guarantee that they're heading their way right into the pipeline. That pipeline, believe it or not, is real. It's from the schools to the prison pipeline. And actually, if you do your research, you'll find that there are more kids going straight out of school, straight into prison than ever before. So it's important that we pull ourselves together and that we band together as a human race and as adults who recognize and realize that we can prevent our children from going into the pipeline by just simply having more communication with them, allowing them to be transparent and to feel safe when they come to us. Because if they don't feel safe when they come to us, you can rest assured they're going to go to somebody who may not give them the best advice. So I want you to know that we do these shows on a consistent basis so that you can find yourself, you can get the help that you need, and that you can become a prisoner of hope. It's no need to stay in the free world and be incarcerated. Find your freedom. Find your freedom. And the way you can do that is by becoming a prisoner of hope. <laughs>